0: Live from the Nasdaq market side overlooking New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Tim Seymour, Nadine Turman, Brian Kelly, and Pete Najarian, co-founder of MarketRebellion.com. Tonight on Fast, a crypto crackdown. Bitcoin plunges as China bans all cryptocurrency transactions. We'll tell you why our own Bitcoin baller, BK, is calling this great news. Plus, a turning point for treasuries. The chart master is breaking down the rate rally where he sees yields headed next. And later, how this week's epic drop for one commodity could have one of our traders going nuclear. (laughs) But we start off with a big buzzkill on Nike. Shares getting rocked after the company got guidance on supply chain concerns. Now all of you loyal Fast Money fans out there. There are many. You know that we tackled Nike on last night's show. We were on the company's earnings call. We broke in the moment Nike announced the guidance cut. At the same time, shares were down only 3% in light volume after hours. But today, Nike dropped like a rock, falling 6% for its worst day since June of last year. So given today's market reaction, has this changed the story on Nike? I'll go to the shareholder. Tim Seymour, what do you say? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, and, and the shareholder was one of the more bullish ones. At least my glass was half full last night. And what do I do today? Um, I, you know, I, I hate where the stock is on the chart, but that's not really how I invest. I use technicals as a guidepost, but they're not driving me in or out of positions, uh, at least not in the case of Nike. And in the case of Nike, the question is, they lowered uh, to mid-single digits, MSD. Uh, is that enough is the question that the street asked today. And I think in terms of a couple downgrades in terms of 22 earnings, I think that's the story. 23 uh, seems to be a story. Everyone's willing to give them a benefit of the doubt on a, a growing TAM addressable market, a, a growing fitness craze their ability to grow gross margins remember a- outside of shipping costs and some other headwinds which were substantial Nike grew their gross margin and they grew it by about 170 basis points and somewhat better than expected so uh, you have a dynamic here where I think their core business the demand side of the story we all know is very solid we know this is supply and suddenly CEO Donahue sounds a little bit like the Fed. The word transitory, I believe, was used. And, and that's the question. How transitory? Because right now we're 10 weeks of production and counting in Vietnam. And there's a question on how quickly, even if it all ended tomorrow, they could ramp back up. And so as a Nike shareholder, disappointed, concerned, um, but not shaken. And not shaken for what I think is one of the great consumer products brands out there.
0: Standing by Nike, it sounds like. Um, just to put a fine point under this, this is a loss of 10 weeks of production because of the factories that are already closed, whether yep. it be 50 percent of the apparel factories or 80 percent of the footwear uh, companies um, uh, factories. Nadine, what do you say about Nike today? Is it worth 40 times next year's earnings at this point when there is a question mark about next year's earnings?
2: Mel, I think that Tim made a really good point about being a long term shareholder. So if your investment horizon is very short term, you're looking at the technicals and my technicals are saying, I wouldn't trade this right now. A lot of things have broken down. But if you're an intermediate to long term holder, as Tim pointed out, really strong demand. This isn't a problem with management. There's just Transitory can be for a while though, I think that's your point Mel, but it's gonna take some time before you're gonna see the flow through of the demand to the bottom line. So when you know, we were talking to some clients of ours who manufacture in Asia yesterday, it's gonna be too late right now for the holiday season to find those shipping containers, even if you can produce the product. And so you're really looking at 2022 in terms of calendar year to be looking at this stock. So again, it depends on your duration.
0: This is what BTIG said about Nike, Brian Kelly. We fear this Mm -hmm. issue is just too large to control even for the best run athletic brand in the world. Even Nike doesn't have a grip on this problem. It's out of their control. So what do you do here? Because the message is that for a lesser run company of any sort that manufactures goods in Asia, it's gonna be terrible.
3: Exactly I think that's the takeaway here and this to me is the biggest threat to the equity market in general is it's not a demand problem it's a supply issue and so it doesn't matter what your earnings projections are doesn't matter how much you think you can sell if you can't get it that doesn't matter. And this also kind of shows how complicated the Federal Reserve's task is here because you have people that are willing to buy things and that's creating this kind of inflationary push. But if you slow the economy down, then somebody like a Nike or any of these high multiple stocks are gonna have a real problem. So, you know, I'm not a buyer of Nike here. I think if I had to sum it up, I, I agree with both Tim and Nadine, the TLDR on this, which is too long, didn't read for those boomers out there, Christmas is canceled.
0: (laughs) Christmas is canceled. Now, who is the Grinch here tonight, Brian Kelly? Um, Pete Najarian, you didn't like the valuation going into the quarter. What do you think of of the valuation now, 6% down?
4: Still too high. Still too high. It's way too high, Mel. Mm -hmm. I think the problem is this. It's okay to have a higher P.E. level if everything is working and everything is going great. But there comes that point in time, it happens to every company, where there is that stumble. And now the stumble is a combination of a lot of things, but obviously supply chain being the biggest, I think there are other issues as well. There's a lot of pushback in China for Nike products now. If you look at what their rate of growth was, it's nothing near what it once was. And so that, I think, would be somewhat concerning. North America is still pretty solid, but not growing at the same pace either. So I think there's a lot of things that I think you have to factor in here when you're looking at Nike. And then when you're looking at a company that's still trading, as you mentioned, at a forward somewhere close to 40 I think when you look at the historical, Mel, and you go back and you look at mostly has been somewhere, call it between 22 and maybe 28. That's been the historic P.E. So the fact that it's trading at a 40 now, I understand it. It's got digital. That's, that's been one of the things that's been absolutely phenomenal for them. It's been a great growth area. But that still doesn't give me a reason to say, you know what? Yeah, it's dropped off whatever, 6% today. Has that brought me back into it? Absolutely not.
0: All right, let's switch gears now. Rates in rally mode this week. Uh, the 10-year yield jumping to 145. And if you've been following the chart master, that is the magic number he's been calling for. So where do we head from here? Let's get straight to the chart master. Cornerstone Macros Carter Worth to break it all down. Carter.
5: Well, you know, when someone says, where are we headed from here, which you said, uh, my first thought is, I have no idea. Uh, of <laughs> course, we're all in the dark to some extent, but let's try to figure it out together. I've got four identical charts and then one long-term chart. So the first chart you're looking at is just a one-year chart of yields. And what's important is this. We know where we peaked, 177 on the 30th of March, and we know where we bottomed on the 20th of July at one spot, 12. 145, the reason that's been cited uh, for months is that that's the midpoint. It's not only the midpoint. You can see in that first chart, it's exactly to the penny uh, where the downtrend line, uh, in effect, since the peak comes into play. Now look at the second chart, same time frame. But I've included the 150 day moving average, something I rely on heavily. Where is 1.45? To the penny at the 150 day. Third chart, it's charts one and two combined. So we have both the downtrend line and the 150 day moving average right where we are now, an inherently difficult level, a big move to a difficult level. Fourth chart, same time frame again one year and now i've drawn the uh opposite or opposing line you have two converging lines here consensus is increasingly that we break out to the upside my hunch is that we're not uh, in a position to do that right here and now final chart it shows the wedge in more um uh, sort of not detail but more uh, importance how long term this is the line that's been in effect for three years Uh, i think having approached it quite quickly rates uh back off at
0: this point so Buy Treasuries, Carter. You got it. All right, uh, Carter. We'll see you in Options Action, Carter Braxton Worth. Um, would you agree <laughs> with that take, Tim? Because that implies that we're sort of churning. You know, we're going to hit this level and then we well, go back down.
1: Uh, first of all, no one uses the term "to the penny" more emphatically and and more convincingly than Carter. <laughs> and, and I bet he used that same phrase at 111 on the 10-year on the downside in mid-July. I mean, Carter's made great calls on these turns. Hard for me to argue with Carter. Um, but, but the question is, uh, is the trend at some point ready to break? And, and we are at the up end of a downward trend line. I, I just think we're in a case here where inflation is going to be something we cannot fight. Uh, rising interest rates of this week are a combination of the Fed and feed through. Listen to FedEx, uh, listen to Costco, listen to everybody. And, and I think rates are moving higher. And I think it's very good for cyclical industrial bank and, and even value-oriented equities, which had underperformed for months. So uh, again, my treasury call is, uh, like Carter, I'm not gonna tell you exactly where we end up, but to me, the move is ultimately higher, even if we are oversold to the upside on yields and you could see a bounce in treasuries here. I would not be staying around for that much longer.
0: Okay, Brian, where, where do you stand on treasuries? And what do you think the chart tells us about the, about the economy? if anything
3: yeah so that's that's the trillion dollar question I mean it's hard to read too much into the bond market because it's so manipulated by the federal reserve and I don't mean that as a slight it's just the fact that they're buying bonds right so for me I am short 10-year notes right so I think yields are going higher I think we're going to get that breakout primarily because the Fed just told you hey by the way we are going to stop buying bonds in a in a little bit there is some tailwind from uh, buyers overseas But that could easily reverse if you get any type of inflation scare, which I think we're getting once again. We've probably reached kind of the peak of the deflation scare. And with the supply chain issues, things will start to ramp back up. So that's my call on it. Um, I could be wrong. Carter has been 100 percent right. I'm just hoping this one time maybe he's wrong.
0: Yeah. How are you trading treasuries, Nadine, if you are?
2: We have been. You know, we've been pretty much trading the chop. And I think that's where I agree with Carter, is that on a very short term, we've been just trading them, they've been in certain bands for us. But I also now agree with uh, Brian in that looking forward, if you're gonna look for the next few months, uh, we think that, that rates are rising. So we would be more inclined to be looking at high yields, um, LQD in terms of you know an ETF also that that's um, non-high yield that we're interested in. Uh, but you could also play it in financials. You could play it in energy. So what this is all saying is if you think inflation's here for a while and if you think the growth of GDP is accelerating, yields are probably going up. So you'll want to play it a different way than um, buying treasuries. Uh, But for a trade, Carter may be right.
0: Do you think yields are going higher based on higher economic output or accelerating growth Pete, I mean, given what we heard from Nike and FedEx over the past couple of days, Mm -hmm. how are you feeling?
4: Well, it does make you wonder, Mel. I mean, we're talking about uh, two major companies, massive companies, and giving us some lines. One one about supply chains, the other about workers. I mean, it really does say a lot about what's going on. So I look at it this way, Mel. I think the 10 years are going to likely continue to that churn that it's been in. But I, do, I think that the real meaningful thing will be the velocity of the move. I think, I think it eventually goes higher um, towards the end of the year. As a matter of fact, I continue to see in the ETFs, I see the XLF with a lot of paper, all very, very bullish looking to the upside and going out all the way to December. So when I see stuff like that, I think that the, the longer range tells me 10 years going higher. How fast it goes, I think that's the very meaningful thing. It's the velocity of that move. If it continues on this churning process, that's going to be very, very helpful for, it, for a lot of people. Other people, if it gets that velocity and starts shooting to the upside, we're going to see a lot more volatility come back into the market as well. And
0: that's, that's the thing. We've seen the moves happen real fast when they do happen. I mean, even in just the, just the past couple of days, Tim, I mean, what was the move in the 10? Yeah. Was it 15 bips or something like that? I mean, that's, that's kind of unheard of in the course of a short amount of time
1: you know i, I don't know I, I i really don't think it is and i really don't think it, it is from the levels that we're at uh I, and i realize on percentage basis yes guy talks about this all the time i mean look the farther out on the curve you move the more duration you have and i don't want to bore people to death but there's there's a there's a much more significant move in terms of basis points you have a lot more volatility seeing the move of 30 of 25 basis points off those lows uh it really you know in the last week or so I don't think it's shocking, given the inflation reads we've had and a Fed uh, that signaled November is game on. By the way, two other major central banks, Norway, Bank of England, Norway hiked this week. Uh, Bank of Mm -hmm. England signaled that they could be hiking in the first quarter. You know, these are all reasons why rates could be moving higher. I don't think that the velocity, uh, as Pete talks about um, and is watching, is something I'm worried about right now, the way they have moved relative to where we have come from.
2: Mm.
0: Okay. Coming up, the China crypto crackdown. Bitcoin plunging as Beijing takes aim. But our resident Bitcoin baller BK says this is great news. He'll explain why. And later, our chart of the week, a major meltdown for this commodity, what it is, and how our traders are playing it. Stay with us. Fast Money's back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got a Bitcoin alert. Crypto prices crashing today after China's latest crackdown put digital coins in the crosshairs. Kate Rooney's got all the details. Hey, Kate, Hey, Melissa, more tough talk from Chinese regulators has some
6: crypto investors pretty worried this week. Bitcoin dropping today to near $42,000. That was earlier. It's now hovering around the $43,000 mark. Uh, it had started the week around 47000 Ether, meanwhile, the world's second largest cryptocurrency, down as much as 8% today. This all started with news that the People's Bank of China saying, said in a question and answer session that all crypto-related activities are illegal. That includes services offering trading, order matching, derivatives, and also overseas exchanges. They say those are illegal as well. This is the just the latest crackdown out of Beijing. It's certainly not the first. This summer, the Chinese government moved to stamp out crypto mining and that whole industry. They cited the energy intensive process of creating new coins. And they went after some of the payment companies providing crypto services. Back in July, they told Alibaba and Ant Group to stop providing some of those crypto services. And it's not just regulation out of Beijing spooking some of these investors. Some are worried about increased scrutiny from the SEC and some comments from Gary Gensler, SEC chairman, about more oversight of the industry this week. Back to you
0: all right kate thanks kate rooney Um gotta go to the the bitcoin baller here on this one beaks and um you know you are a contrarian and when this news came out you <laughs> said you know what this could be great news why is that
3: well i'll give you three reasons why it's great news so first of one the easy one is china isn't as big a market as it has been hasn't it's not really even a driver of the market today so this is you know that doesn't really matter uh number two is that um you know this news has been out there for a while if you actually look at the release today it was dated september 15th so this news has been in the market but the third and probably most important reason i brought along a chart set uh, done by my friends at john street capital shows how bitcoin performed after every single time china has banned it and look at that first date back there that's december of 2013 And I'm sure you remember, Melissa, that I had called into Fast Money on that date to talk about the banning of Bitcoin in China, and look what's happened since then. It's up 3,600%. So, you know, when China bans Bitcoin and the price goes down, to me, that's a massive opportunity because it has had zero impact on the price of Bitcoin, and China just isn't even a big market.
0: So what have you been doing today, yesterday? oh listen I'm long and strong you know I am long (laughs) and strong I came into the day long and strong uh I and I would buy more here if I had more cash have you been adding to ethereum (laughs) Tim on the back of this news
1: I've been watching it I think the the levels around three thousand are are important you know ethereum like like Brian has talked about the the opportunities all pullbacks really like they largely have and in ethereum's case you've had in the last six months only we know ethereum has been on a great run but in the last six months it's had three drawdowns of 35 percent or more 160 145 and yet it's still up 80 percent so yes I am buying weakness um I think there are levels probably around here where we we look like we may be holding but I think that's that is kind of the message I'm hearing
0: Pete
4: You know, the interesting thing is, and and I think uh, better than anybody, the Bitcoin baller knows this, but sorry about my voice, but 70 percent of the global mining has been done by China in the past. Now they're under 30 percent. So that's a big difference, Mel. And I think that's why I feel a lot more comfortable about whatever China's decisions are going forward. They are not as meaningful as they once were. And because of that, that's why I totally agree with BK and John was talking about, too. That's why it's not as negative at least in the longer term. Short term, sure. Longer term, absolutely not.
0: All right. Up next, we are revealing our chart of the week. It's a good one. Why one of our traders could have a total meltdown over this major move. We're back right after this. There is still time left to sign up for this year's Delivering Alpha. Just five days to go. Join some of the biggest names in investing at this can't miss virtual event. Register right now at DeliveringAlpha.com. Time to reveal our chart of the week, and this is absolutely a Fast Money First Yes. History in the making. Uranium prices plunging, taking down uranium ETFs like the Sprott Physical Uranium Trust, which fell nearly 12 percent this week. Prices had been on a tear over the past month as a fund stocked up on the metal and the trade became a popular one among the Reddit crowd. BK flagged this move. What's your trade on this, Beaks?
3: well so i bought some more uranium today so i am long of uranium but for me it's a little bit more of a slow money trade and it reminds me an awful lot of bitcoin back in 2013 where you have an asset that everybody is kind of laughs at a little bit and eventually they're all going to have to buy so i want to buy uranium on any dip nadine
2: you've been sniffing around the space I think BK is right. If you look at it, you know, on the short term, technicals might have broken down a little bit, but intermediate term, they're really solid. The ETF URA, the low end of our trading range is 21.85, so we would enter there. Uh, but it has over a four-to-one upside to downside, so that's great odds. So I agree with BK. And p you've been in and out. CCJ.
4: Yeah. I- yeah, I've been riding that CCJ, and right now I'm holding the bag a little bit, Mel, because of this pullback, because it ran from 15 all the way to 26, then it pulled back towards 20 here. But um, So I'm still in some calls that might go out worthless. They expire at the very end of the month in October, so we'll see. But I, I saw some activity, actually, in URA this past week, so I'm, I'm on board with the gang. I think that we are going to see a turnaround here as well.
0: Tim, can you get on board uranium?
1: what is holding the bag Where where's that expression come from i don't know uh, just what, kidding we don't need to get in into bag? that we you there know might what we do to, to get... hold mm. yes we don't need to <laughs> yeah. get into this um i i i but you know what ccj is, is yeah I, we we've like the uranium trade it, it's like a lot of the commodity trades first of all um there has been a lot of cyclicality with this uh, if i'm going to be stepping into back to the future trades I tell you what, I I like precious metals here, not necessarily gold, but platinum, palladium also somewhat beleaguered. Um, I think some of this really based upon industrial activity uh, and where you also are going to see diversification as an asset class into some of these. So again, PGMs, uh, platinum, palladium, I, I, I think look very interesting here. CCJ, I don't really understand why we have to own uranium. I mean, BK certainly breaks a, a, a really interesting point. Um, I think there have been times where we felt this was the future of, mm-hmm. of energy, and you know, I think I'm not sure that is. Mm-hmm. All
0: right.
2: Time for the final try. Let's go around the horn. Nadine. Royal Dutch Shell, RDSA, it's a great industrial in terms of energy and LNG and we think that as industrials get back on track, they're going to benefit in the energy space. Pete. I'm going to stick with
4: energy right there along with her and CVX. I like what they're doing. I think the entire energy space is going higher.
0: BK, Brian (laughs) Kelly.
3: Well, I'm going to stick with the future of energy.
0: Which is nuclear? So, URA. I putting my money where my mouth is. All right, that does it for us here on Fast Money.